when I use herbs and essential oils, they're not magic pills. They work beautifully, but they're one of a part of the system of getting to that point. It's not like you're going to take skullcap for nervousness and that's it. Gone. You're done. You're, you're not nervous anymore. No, you've got to implement random acts of kindness. If colors something you want to implement, there's so many other tools I have in Mootopia and Skullcap is one of those tools. It's an important tool, but you need to work on it. It's a goal. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Would you like to experience a little more happiness in your life today? I know I would, like all of the time. If the answer is yes, then you are in the right place. Today is the perfect day for mood boosting, and I have just the expert, Sarah Silverstein. Now, Sarah is the author of the book, Moodtopia, and we're talking about the big focus of this book, and that is how to get in control of your moods so they are not in control of you. And guess what? Sarah is an avid essential oil expert as well, and oils play a huge role in this new book. And I am not the least surprised. Did you know that the sense of smell is directly connected to the way that we experience the world around us? Aroma has a way of elevating our experiences and connecting us with our emotions. One of the most researched areas of aromatherapy is the effect that essential oils have on emotions and mood. When it comes to using oils, the moment you open a bottle, you will immediately experience the aroma of that single essential oil or that blend of essential oils. As defined, essential oils are volatile aromatic compounds rich in complexity. Due to that volatile nature, aroma is intrinsic part of essential oils. And it's no surprise that essential oils are intrinsically aroma. In a chemical sense, aroma is the interaction of individual chemical constituents, in this example, essential oil chemical constituents, that interact with olfactory receptors in the nose. These olfactory receptors then carry these special volatile chemical messages to the limbic system, the emotional and memory center of the brain. The chemistry of essential oils differ greatly, which explains why essential oils make up different aromas that can affect us in many ways, especially when it comes to mood and hormones. Now, scent is amazing. It's amazing because it's a powerful tool that we can use to influence our well-being in a multitude of ways. This intrinsic connection between aroma and emotions become obvious in our daily life as certain specific feelings are triggered by just smelling that aroma. Some odors directly impact moods such as calming, energizing, or motivating, while others trigger specific memories that are tied to a very strong emotion. Due to the direct link of the olfactory system in this area of the brain, aroma is capable of interacting directly with the hypothalamus, influencing neurochemistry throughout the body, and in tune, potentiating powerful health outcomes. Now, 
Based on all of that, I do have a special surprise for you today. And who doesn't love surprises? As a way to set you up for success during and after this interview, I have the perfect little cheat sheet that features my top five favorite hormone essential oil blends for brain fog, fatigue, mood swings, and calming mental chatter and anxiety. I wanted to be able to focus with blends that actually help to support your emotional well-being. And this just felt like the perfect cheat sheet to get you started. So you can grab this wonderful little guide in my show notes on drmarisa.com slash episode 81. Now, before we jump into this powerful interview with Sarah, I want to just take a moment as I love to do in pretty much every episode and celebrate your wins. One particular rock star is Laura Rojo, and I'm excited to shout out her win that she shared on Facebook actually just a couple days ago. Here is what she had to say. I've been going undiagnosed with Hajimoto's disease for over a year now without answers that I have been looking for. There have been days when I have felt so discouraged. I can't tell you how much it means to me that you have put a spotlight on your own diagnosis and autoimmunity, and I was finally able to get the lab panel I needed to figure out what was going on with me. Thank you for helping me move forward in healing my body. Well, thank you, Laura, so much for sharing your vulnerable story with me and with us. Congratulations on your next step in your healing journey. I am so happy to be able to shout you out today, and I am holding space for your continued healing miracles. I know what it feels like to heal or continue on this healing journey with Hajimoto's, so I am sending you all of those positive healing vibes. Now, if you're listening, Laura, I would love to gift you one of my superwoman blends that I make personally. You can reach out to me on Facebook because that's where we connected, or you can find me on Instagram at D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A. Well, fellow podcast listeners, you know I want to shout you out too. So you can reach out to me via Insta, Facebook, or simply review this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you love to plug into. Yes, this podcast is everywhere, and it's hitting the top lists in health and wellness thanks to you. When you share this and you share your wins, you are helping to continue to support more women who are ready to become the CEO of their own health, but just don't know where to look. Now let's dive into this incredible interview conversation with Sarah Silverstein. But before we start that convo, I want to quickly sing her praises. Sarah Shauna Silverstein is the author of the newly released book, Moodtopia, Tame Your Moods, De-Stress, and Find Balance Using Herbs, Remedies, Aromatherapy, and More. Her book has gotten accolades from Dr. Deepak Chopra, Dr. Aviva Ram, and Christy Brinkley. Sarah Shauna is a regularly featured guest on CBS ABC, NBC, and Fox News, and popular podcasts. She is the consultant to many pediatricians, surgeons, midwives, and general doctors, and she lectures to residents in New York medical schools. As an adult education teacher, radio personality, and community advocate for women and children, she is articulate, funny, and wise. Well, let's get started with this interview. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast, Sarah Hanna. How are you doing today? I'm great, doctor. So thrilled to be on your show. You do such great work. 
Thank you so much. And so do you. I The second I heard about your book, I was so excited to get it into my hands. We speak a lot of the same language. We have a lot of the same philosophies around taking care of, of people, especially with powerful natural solutions. It was this book that I was so happy to get my hands on. And as I was flipping through the pages, I was like, oh, absolutely. I resonate with that. I resonate with that. I resonate with that. And so I would love to know a little bit about your journey into how you became, well, how you decided you really wanted to focus on helping people really get their moods back on track, helping to lower their stress levels. What did that journey look like for you? So I'm an international board certified lactation consultant, and I helped over 25,000 women breastfeed. And during that journey, I also went back to school and I became a classical homeopath and a master herbalist. And the reason people and women especially, and but I ended up working with their husbands and their sons and their brothers, but my practice was originally a woman's practice. And I found that Women's moods were what got in the way of their success a lot. They would question whether they were a good mom, whether they were a good wife. They would get frustrated easily. They would get angry easily. And I really saw that these super powerful, successful people kind of felt like they were hostage to their moods. So I was going back and forth because I really wanted to write a book to introduce herbs and aromatherapy to people in a very inexpensive, very easy way that they could use. And I said, you know what? There's just not that much information out there about herbs and moods. Now, when I looked at the studies, it goes like this. Now, the statistics always change, but it's one out of five people in America are on psychotropic drugs. They're usually prescribed by their GP, their general practitioner, who spends about six to eight minutes with them. And what used to be normal complaints like frustration, I have some insomnia, is now being treated with pharmaceuticals. Now, I want to premise this to say, doctor, that pharmaceuticals can save people's lives for sure. And some of the psychotropic meds are amazing. But for the typical person, I just knew that herbs were going to help them in a way that was even deeper than the pharmaceuticals. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to check a lot of the things that I do out, but I love herbs. But I most importantly, I am obsessed with essential oils. I love essential oils. I have a new book coming out or is out right now called The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. And I talk so much about how to lower the HPA axis, how to get the limbic brain back on track using essential oils. Can you tell me a little bit about your essential oil journey? As an herbalist, I love essential oils. I was trained primarily in taking those plants and bringing them inside our body through a tincture or a tea. But I'm going to tell you a really interesting experience I had with essential oils. And of course, they are part of my practice. My daughter was hit by a car ended up becoming paralyzed from the shoulders down and unfortunately was in the hospital for 7.5 months. So at the time I had written my book proposal and my book was ready to go to market. It hadn't been sold yet. And I had to put everything on hold because I'm a mom of seven kids. But when this one child went in the hospital, I mean, all my other kids just stayed home with their dad and I was with my daughter 24 seven. So in the hospital, of course, you can imagine the anguish and the pain I was going through. And after being there a week, I just couldn't stand the smell of the hospital. I mean, it's just not a great place. No, so every it smells day sickly. I started 
oh, terrible. So I started spraying different essential oils so that I could calm myself down, lift up my daughter's spirits. But what blew my mind the most was the nurses started gravitating towards our room and they'd go, oh, what is this smell? Oh, I love this one or oh, I don't love this one. But what happened was they started coming around more. Therefore, they got to know my daughter and therefore she got better care. And even the doctors were coming in and saying, whoa, what is that smell? It's so soothing. And people would come and actually eat their lunch breaks in our room. So besides the fact of the chemical responses we can have inside with essential oils, look at this simple way I was able to make sure that my daughter got better care. Obviously, this was an intentional doctor, but isn't that amazing? It is. I kind of love how you were able to leverage oils to ensure better care. You know, there was a research study done at the Vanderbilt University Hospital, and what it looked like, it, it measured the stress levels of all the ER nurses and doctors. And as you can imagine, they were through the roof. They were so stressed out. And they took citrus oils. I want to say wild orange, and I forget what other citrus oils they took. And they put diffusers all throughout the ER. And I think they did this for about three weeks to a month. I know the studies out there. I can't remember the exact details. And they diffuse these oils pretty much nonstop because you can imagine the emergency room goes nonstop as well. And they measured their stress levels post the four weeks or so that they were doing this. And their stress levels had dropped significantly, like over 70% by diffusing the oils throughout the ER. So I know that nurses across the nation are demanding the use of oils, diffusing oils inside of the nurses' stations and in the hospitals. And where I lived in the in San Francisco, California, the Bay Area, a lot of hospitals in that area carry oils and diffuse them in the OR and in the hospital itself. So I can say that from a personal experience, every night before I went to sleep in the hospital, I dropped a couple drops of different essential oils right on my pillowcase. I didn't need anything fancy. Remember in the hospital, I literally had a spray bottle and I had my little essential oil bottles and it really kind of saved my life. So when I work, because I have a pediatric practice also, so I teach my clients, even if they don't understand the dynamics of how essential oils work, this is what I begin to teach them. Because we have a lot of skeptics out there. And I say like this, our olfactory system, that's our smell, is our strongest associations with memories. So here's an example that I teach my clients. Let's say you have a child that has trouble falling asleep. So what do you do around bedtime, when you go to give them a bath, you can put a couple drops of lavender oil in the water, or you can put some on the towel. And then when you put them in pajamas, you can put a couple drops of the oil right on their pajamas. And when they get into bed, you can put a couple drops of the lavender oil right on their pillow. Now, forget the double-blind clinical studies. Forget the research that we have on lavender, which is extensive on how it helps with sleep. What will happen is that child will get a subconscious connection to lavender and going to sleep. So even though that kid wants to play, jump on the bed, their subconscious, that memory of, oh, when I smell this smell, it's bedtime, will start helping them sleep. So forget the studies, doctor. Just that association with that smell, that consistency will help that child learn to go to sleep in an easier fashion. How amazing is that? 
And it works just as well on adults as well. And goodness knows we are terrible about going to bed at a good bedtime. You know, I am. Yes. Guilty, guilty for sure. We've been diffusing oils. We have a a whole evening ritual that we do, but we've been diffusing oils for like around, I would say eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And with the second those oils start going, the lavender, the clary sage, the Roman chamomile, whatever we're choosing to use, and I like to mix it up. I love to mix up my little bed diffuser blends. But the second those oils go off, it's like our brain subconsciously, as you mentioned, just automatically shuts off even if we don't want it to. Like it's, it's like, I'm done. I don't know about you, but I'm done. I'm going to bed. And I love that. I teach that a lot with my my readers because we will choose that next episode of Netflix over our bedtime, like every single time. How exciting. I would too. And you know, again, I'm a medicinal herbalist and I deal with a lot of chronic conditions and acute conditions. But when my clients are in my office, I love to give them little teeny tips so they don't always feel like they're medicating themselves. So I fly a lot. I I speak across the country and I got on a plane and I sat next to a guy who I think accidentally forgot to shower. Right. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've got five hours of this. But because I always carry essential oils with me, I got out a little tissue and I put a couple drops and I just had my hand to my nose for hours and hours. And I got to tell you, if I didn't have that, I would have been in bad shape. Now, really that guy needed to shower. But since we can't control the world around us, I was really happy. So besides the medicinal, because you're the master of the medicinal of essential oils, I just teach my clients how to bring them in their lives in a way that they don't even think that's medicinal. Now, of course, the oil I chose was Lang Lang. For me, it's a bit of a stimulant. It's got a kind of like exciting scent and it's also calming. So those five hours, I had energy to stay awake because I had a lot of work I needed to do. I was preparing my speech. It kind of calmed me down, but it made me feel alert. So for me, it was like the perfect oil. And you know, maybe I wouldn't have even pulled it out as much as I did if that guy next to me wasn't so stinky. So there I got my dose of medicine just because another guy was a little stinky. Look at that. I love that. I love that story so much. So yes, you guys, if ever somebody is just smelling right next to you, make sure that you have those oils. And if someone's stressed out on the flight, making sure you have your oils, or if someone's coughing on the plane, that's always the like danger sign. I'm like, oh no, they're sick. And nothing worse than someone coughing behind you or next to you. And so again, have those oils ready to go. All right, well, let's talk a little bit about the book because I know this is probably was such a labor of love that you were very, not only excited to share with the world, but really kind of disseminating how we can support mood. And I love talking about mood. I love talking. I, I always tell people that with oils, you can choose your mood, kind of like with the alang-alang, right? You can choose how you want to feel. But tell me a little bit about what inspired you to decide to write this book. As I said before, I was working with so many clients that really felt hijacked by their moods. And my favorite line is, we're not in control of what happens to us in life, just how we respond. So unfortunately, difficult and even sometimes bad things happen to good people. And I really wanted people to know that we we don't have to be so reactive. So there's an herb called skullcap and skullcap 
recap is an herb. Again, I like this herb to be taken internally. It calms the system down. It's in the mint family. It can help with digestion. So for instance, if you have to do public speaking at an event or you're nervous because you don't get along with your in-laws or it's during holiday time and you're making big parties, just taking Skullcap along with an essential oil you'll recommend will calm the system down. So I was talking before about how to how one out of five people are taking these psychotropic meds. So what you can do with herbs and essential oil is plan ahead. Let's say you have a PTA meeting and you know that your kid hasn't been the best student and you know you're going to be a nervous wreck speaking to the principal or the teacher. That's a time to take an essential oil or an herb and preventatively have your cortisol levels lower. So you need to think about it this way. Our cortisol levels can be, let's make up a number like 300. Let's say when our cortisol levels get at 300, that's when we really flip out. That's kind of our level of, whoa, we're out of control. So if on a daily basis, you're living at 250, that means you're living in a state of fight or flight. You've got those fight or flight hormones in your body at all times. Your goal in between your moods is to bring your cortisol levels down. So that means going to the gym, getting a massage, taking a walk, eating healthy food. But if you can't do that, if life is too overwhelming, that's when you can have in your back pocket an herbal tincture and an essential oil. So I teach my clients, don't wait to that moment where you're so frustrated, you're going to scream and yell, prevent it. Know that you're going to a crowded store. That's a time to inhale an oil before you go. Inhale an oil before even a company party. I mean, these parties that you know our, our businesses and our bosses put on, they're stressful. Do you look pretty? Are you thin enough? Do you have the right outfit on? So you can take some oils and herbs ahead of time. And that's my goal. Now, there are herbs and essential oils that'll help you when you're in that moment of exacerbation. But I always like to try to be one step ahead. One of the big lessons I was listening to there is a little bit of self-awareness, knowing yourself. If, if indeed you know that heading off to an office party or going into the teacher conference meeting is going to feel a little stressful, just be prepared for those kind of those little anxious emergencies or those little stressed emergencies. So knowing kind of knowing yourself well enough, if you're stepping into Sue, I always tell people that the unexpected solution to radical self-healing is self-awareness. Because once we know ourselves, then we can be prepared for those moments, especially those stressful moments, right? I have really bad for as much as I fly as well, I have really bad flight anxiety and I cannot shake it to save myself. And so there are some flights where I do great. We go up and we go down and it's all good. But then other flights, not so good. But I always have my oils. I always have my oils. I have tinctures with me as well. I have supplements that I take to kind of lower the HPA axis. And I'm so grateful for those tools. But you will never catch me on a flight without my oils. I would not do well on it. So I love that. Like you just have to know yourself to know what you need in those moments. So in my book, Moodtopia, I have a chapter where it talks about charting your mood. So, you know, everybody's always like, chart your food, chart your exercise, chart your water intake. And I'm like, no, no, no. If you want to become a master of your moods, 
it takes work. Like if you want to be a master chef, I mean, the first couple times you cook this food doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. I mean, if you're a master baker, you have to practice. And we're not taught in elementary school or junior high or high school. We're not taught that we need to work to be in control of our moods. And that's what I talk about in Moodtopia. Like, yes, it's true. Some people are naturally happy. Some people look at the cup half full, not half empty. But for the rest of us, I'm a cup half empty person. It means I have to work on that. So self-awareness, like you said, is very important. Making a little mood diary, even if it's for a week, to find out which mood is dominant to you. Is it frustration? Is it anger? Is it sadness? And when you become aware of it, then you've got to become a master of it. You need to learn what triggers my sadness and what makes my sadness better. You know, I joke all the time because I'm a mom of seven kids. All of a sudden, I'd get really angry at something. I'd stamp my foot and I and I go, I've never been this angry. And my kids would laugh and go, yeah, you were an hour ago. And I'd go, I was? So what happens is we have these flares of emotions. They're so real. They feel new but they're repetitive. They come, they come, they come. So now as I mature and I'm always a work in progress, I have to know this is my MO. This is where I go when I'm frustrated. This is how I respond. If I don't want to have those responses in the moment, it's hard to gain control. So I always want to be one step ahead. I want to analyze. And then if I go through something that's stressful, I want to analyze, wow, how did I handle that? I am so self-actualized. What did I do? And that's that's maturity. And people need to get to that point. It doesn't just come naturally. That's what I want people to understand with Moodopia. I think that that is such an important facet of this conversation today. I always think of it as being prepared, but really what you're saying is really learning to know yourself. I love the idea of tracking your mood or having a mood journal. If, if indeed we want to make the changes to better ourselves, we really have to know ourselves and know what's going on and know who you are inherently. And not that that couldn't change a little bit. I know I used to not be as, I do a lot of gratitude work. I have a lot of self-care that I do, a lot of meditation, use a lot of oils. I use a lot of oils. And, you know, a lot of that, my mindset has shifted around my mood and whatnot, but it has been a practice. You know, I've worked on it over the years and I think you're right. We are, we're not very equipped with that. No one teaches you that you have to do that in school. You know, no one teaches you that you have to do that in life. And, you know, more than ever, we're finding that people are really struggling. And like you said, this is why this book came to be. You had so many of your clients who came to you and said, I just can't seem to wrap my mind around what's going on with me. Yeah, I grew up with hormone issues. My, my family, my mama had hormone issues. My grandma had hormone issues. And the number one thing that it was that was very glaringly apparent in with the women in my family was their shift in mood. I used to say that my mom could go from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde like that. And, and so being able to figure out ways to control that has been such a big, I've researched it for years because I inherited a little bit of that. I'm not going to lie. I, I became my mother's daughter in a lot of ways. And so I, I love that you've gotten so much clarity on how to help people through these moments, because you're right, people can, I find that we're flashing on each other left and right these days and not really knowing how to control any of it. So there's a story of this woman that went to a great sage and went to the sage and said, I'm mean, 
my mother's mean, my grandmother's mean, we're all mean people. So the sage said, so do nice things. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. We're mean. We don't do nice things. He said, you need to, even if you're in a bad mood, do nice things. And why am I telling this story? Tell me. Yes. I want to hear this. And essential oils. There's something called random acts of kindness. And what studies are showing with random acts of kindness is that when the per- a person does them, it lowers your cortisol levels, lowers your blood pressure, and gives you a boost of good hormones. So people that struggle with moodiness, you don't need to be in a good mood to hold a door open for someone. You don't need to be in a good mood to pick something off the ground if an older person drops something. So if someone struggles with moodiness, one of the steps I talk about in Moodtopia is doing random acts of kindness. Now, you may not want to, but what's going to happen when you practice it is you will eventually lower your cortisol levels and by nature, start doing nice things. So there's a lot of things that we can do if we know we struggle with moods. I mean, you know, when that idiot's driving down the street and wants to cut me off, I'm ready to like, you know, honk my horn and give him the, you know what. But some days I need to just calm down and let that idiot in my lane. And besides helping other people, I know that I'm going to reap my benefits from it. So just doing random acts of kindness and teaching kids to grow up doing it, you have to do random acts of kindness, not to get anything back from the other person, but you're going to be calmer. So when you're working on being less moody, essential oils, herbs, but there's so many things you can incorporate like random acts of kindness. I want to tell you about color. So we know that color vibrates energy and color can really help us with our moods. So if you're having a horrible day and you know everything's going wrong, that's the time to get a shirt with some vibrant color, maybe a yellow or a turquoise or an orange or a bright red. Because every time you look in the mirror, you'll have that little spark of color and color either rejuvenates us or calms us down. And I think we forget about that. I think we forget about that. So in my book, Mootopia, I talk about getting your color palette done. Now, there are color specialists that are out there that look at your skin tone and your hair tone and your eye color. And I have to tell you an amazing story. I had a woman in my office and she had given birth to a stillborn, which is not great. That means the baby was not alive. And then her second baby was born healthy. And she came to me and said, Sarah Hanna, I want to show you how amazing this baby's breastfeeding. Well, the truth was the baby was a horrible breastfeeder and the baby was barely transferring any milk. So she, of course, starts crying and crying and crying. And I'm like feeling so bad. I can fix that problem. But she was really distraught. And all of a sudden she looks up and she goes, everything in this office is terrible. There's only one good thing. And I was like, what's that? She goes, I'm dressed in my color palette and I look stunning. And we both started laughing so hard. She was wearing this burnt orange skirt with this sage green sweater. And she looked great and she wasn't thin. She wasn't beautiful, but she knew that these colors radiated. The only good thing in her life she could find was that she was wearing colors that made her feel good. And it 
dawned on me, doctor. It dawned on me how powerful colors are. And I want people to know if they're struggling with moodiness, a color can pick them up. I love these these other amazing ways that we can really boost mood. One, using color, adorning ourselves with something that's going to make us feel good, right? And then also the random acts of kindness, you know, doing nice things and good things for people. And I think each and every one of us can learn so much from not only the color, but definitely the random acts of kindness. Now, I wanted to just dive in because I know that you are a master herbalist. What can you tell me a little bit about your favorite herbs for helping to boost and support mood? I love herbs. And I found over the years that my clients don't do well drinking herbal teas because you've got to stop your life, make the tea, sit down and drink it. And most of my clients are on the go, busy doing their social media, running from thing to thing. So I like herbs best in tincture, which is a liquid form. And you can get these little brown bottles at all your health food stores and all over Amazon and any other online vendor. I love an herb called blue vervain. If you look up on your phone, blue vervain, it's a gorgeous purple flower and it really helps with anxiety. So my clients that have panic attacks, and of course I have them work with their MDs. I speak with their MDs, but a lot of times those panic meds are not working. Blue vervain can really calm down that panic. One of my favorite herbs, not so popular. My favorite herbs for hormonal moodiness, hormonal gloominess, and I joke with women, that means you can take it at your time of the month, before your time of the month, after your time of the month, and you're when you're waiting for the before your time of the month, meaning we can be hormonally gloomy all the time. There's an herb called motherwort, and I joke that I wish we had an ivy of motherwort on every corner in America because it helps that gloominess. It helps that sadness. It takes away that that hormonal feeling that you get without dysregulating your herbs. It actually, your hormones, it actually helps regulate. So my clients say all the time, well, what if I'm panicky and hormonal? I'm like, put them both in the same cup. There's another herb called lemon balm great for when people are flying, great when they have that agitation and nervousness. Lemon balm will calm you down without making you feel sedated. Lemon balm is from the mint family. They have a lemon balm essential oil. They have a lemon balm tincture. So you could smell a little, put a little lemon balm diluted on your skin, and you could take lemon balm internally. You can use lemon balm with children, with geriatric patients. It's also antiviral. So if you're flying and nervous, you can take lemon balm, which is antiviral and calming. Those are some of my top herbs. Do you want to hear about more? Yeah, I would love to hear about a couple more. Amazing. So I love the herb Bacopa. Bacopa is an Ayurvedic herb. It's been used for thousands of years. Bacopa helps with brain fog. When you just have that that fogginess, it's used a lot for people that travel a lot, students, anybody that has to really concentrate. And Bacopa calms the system down while it helps relieve that 
brain fog. And that's an herb that people love. It also helps increase eyesight. And especially in the winter months, we need that night vision. And then there's an herb called rhodiola. Lots of studies on rhodiola. Rhodiola is a bit of a stimulant. So those people that get depressed and sad and feel down and lose their vim and vigor and lose their energy, rhodiola is an herb they should consider. In clinical studies, it helps with depression. I mean, again, I always have to advise that people go to their MD, but rhodiola helps with depression and sadness and gives you that little boost. Because when you're depressed, we get all different kinds of people. You can be depressed and overeat. You can be depressed and have no appetite. You can be depressed and sleep all the time. You can be depressed and never be able to sleep because you have insomnia. So when you're working with an herbalist, we're going to figure out what, how that mood manifests in your body. So if you're that sad that gets really lethargic, rhodiola is a great herb for you. I love all of those herbs and I've tried them. We have many of them at our house. You make it so easy to implement, which I love. And I know a lot of that is because working with your clients over the years, you realize how busy they are, right? So often when we're running from here to there, that's when our mood can definitely be ruffled. And you have dialed so much in to making this easy. So real quick, before we're finishing up, what was your favorite thing when writing this book? What was the thing that you really wanted to bring to your audience? I think, and we've said this up to this point, I really want people to know that it's a skill you can learn. Like, I feel like a lot of people will say to me, oh, my sister's always so positive, but I'm not. Or, you know, my mom was always happy-go-lucky and I'm so intense. Yes, again, there are people that are naturally more stable emotionally, but If we struggle with that, if we struggle with mood swings, if we struggle with easily being frustrated, there are tools that you can implement. And it's just like an athlete. I mean, if you want to run the marathon, you have to like, well, if I was running it, I have to start by running three blocks, maybe get up to six blocks, you know, before I get to my half mile. But we see that when people want to train athletically, if they do it slowly but surely, they increase their stamina and they can succeed. Same thing with our moods. When I use herbs and essential oils, they're not magic pills. They work beautifully, but they're one of a part of the system of getting to that point. It's not like you're going to take skullcap for nervousness and that's it, gone, you're done. You're, you're not nervous anymore. No, you've got to implement random acts of kindness, if color is something you want to implement. There's so many other tools I have in Mootopia. And Skullcap is one of those tools. It's an important tool, but you need to work on it. It's a goal. You want to say, by a month from now, I want to yell less often. Or from a month from now, I want to have less panic attacks. And if you really work and have a schedule and a plan, when you look back in retrospect, you're going to go, wow, I'm so much less moody. And I think most of us really need that kind of training. Mm, I agree with you 100%. And I think you're absolutely right in the sense that we can change the way that we feel. We can work on those moods. So where can we get this book? Where is the book being sold at the moment? It's sold all over the internet. You can go to my website, Moodtopia Book. 
dot com or sarahana dot com. That's S A R A C H A N A. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And what's so amazing about Instagram, as you know, that's where we met. I get so many messages and I'm so happy to guide people and help people find someone that can help them acquire those skills. And I work with people all over the world virtually. Don't we love Skype and and WhatsApp video? It's really changed the dynamics of the world. So I have clients all over the world now. It's really amazing. Oh, that's wonderful. And you're right. It is so great that we're able to connect with people at that level. Well, Sarah, honey, it was such a pleasure having you on. Thank you for bringing your brilliance and really giving us tools to make some very, very positive changes in our outlook, in our moods. I love your book and I just can't wait for my readers to go and check it out as well. Thank you so much and continue all the amazing work that you do. I follow you on Instagram and looking forward to having your book in my office right there on my desk. I'm excited. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, have a wonderful day. Be well. Thanks again. Well, how fun was that? I loved Sarah's personality and positive outlook around changing our mood. Most importantly, what I learned and what I love so much is that we have the ability to make a few changes and see a massive shift in how we feel. And I think that is so important. One of those tools is essential oils. As we've learned today and as you've learned a lot in this podcast, essential oils are a powerful mood and stress disruptor and they can really shift the way that we feel in a matter of moments. As I'm saying this, I am literally applying two of my favorite oils, jasmine and bergamot, to help with my mood support because I love to feel good as much as possible. I'm not promising that that's the case, but my goodness, essential oils make it so much easier. Now, I wanna make sure that if you are ready to start using oils for mood support, that you have that free little cheat sheet that I mentioned earlier. It is my top five hormone blends cheat sheet. What I love about it is it focuses on cravings, it focuses on mood, on stress, on mental chatter, so many of those things that are connected with our mood and these recipes smell divine. So again, you just gotta head on into the show notes or go to episode 81 on the Essentially You podcast. Well, now that you know a little bit about Sarah's amazing book, Moodtopia, I want to invite you to go and grab your copy. I think having a lot of these different references in these books are really a great way to arm yourself with the right tools. So I'm going to have her book in the show notes as well for episode 81, or you can visit the website at drmarisa.com slash podcast, pull up episode 81, and there the link will be. I know it's also available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. Well, thank you for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. On this next episode coming up, it is a new topic that I am personally covering that I haven't actually covered here on the podcast, and that is what is happening to your hormones during perimenopause and how to get your body back on track. Now, this topic hits close to home because I myself, I'm in the middle of perimenopause and it's time to clear the air about this phase in our reproductive health and figure out why it feels like our bodies are literally in limbo. Now, I can't wait for you to gain some great insight along with myself in this next episode. Until then, have an amazing week. Bye. Bye.